Heavenly Father, we know that all the wicked of the earth you discard like dross. And therefore we come before we, you and we love your statutes and ask that you would help us to understand them so that we are not discarded like dross, but instead treasured by yourself. O oh Lord, we pray that you be purifying your heart, our hearts this morning as we come and meditate upon your word together. And we pray that you would use me to speak clearly about your will and what you would have us do. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we continue our series in Colossians this morning in a slightly different format uh, in one respect of the way I'm delivering it than usual, and uh, we'll see how we go, uh, but we'll do our best. We've been looking at Colossians together, and particularly uh, the way that the Apostle Paul is encouraging the Colossian believers in their faith in Christ Jesus. And so we've seen that he encourages them by telling them that he thanks God for them. It's always lovely to know that someone is thankful for you. And we saw that in verse 3 of chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He thanks God, particularly for the faith and the love that they have that spring from the hope that is stored up for them in heaven. And, he all, and, then, and that was the first sermon we had on the book of Colossians. And then the second one, uh, we looked at how he spoke of the wonderful gospel that we have and how it is powerful and infectious. And, so it, and it is a gospel that brings life. It is good news because of the eternal life that the gospel brings. And this week, I want to look at how he encourages the Colossian believers by the way that he prays for them. He doesn't just thank the Lord, but he also comes before God in prayer of supplication. And we see that in verse 9. Verse 9, it says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Paul wants to encourage the Colossians that he is prayerful for them. Now, why is he prayerful for the Colossians? Well, because like everybody else, the Colossians have great needs. They are finite creatures. Why does Paul then come to God in prayer? Well, he is the infinite one. He is the infinite one. He is the one who has great resources at his uh, fingertips, and he gives generously to those who come before him in prayer. So the Colossian believers understand they are finite, but they, uh, Paul, understand, and Paul understands that they are finite, and he understands that God is infinite, and so he can come before God and ask for help. But what is the great need of the Colossian believers? What do they need? What is it that Paul prays for most of all when he prays for the Colossians? Well, we read in verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking, here it comes, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What is the great need of the Colossians? It is to know the will of God. Now, what is the will of God? Well, as we study the scriptures, we understand that there are two wills of God mentioned in scripture. Firstly, we have what is known as the hidden will of God or the decretive will of God. And then there's also, secondly, the revealed will of God or the, what we call the preceptive will of God. So which will is being spoken of here? Well, firstly, we have to understand what these two wills are. The hidden will of God is how God controls all things in this world by his decrees. He decrees that something will happen, 
And so it happens. He decrees that the world will continue moving. He decrees that the plants will come up out of the ground. He decrees that the birds will fly through the sky. And what happens? They do. But it is hidden from us because we're never quite sure what God is going to do next, what he has planned in the future for us. He has decreed it all. And it is unfolding in time. But we're not quite sure what is going to happen next. So it's hidden to us. He decrees it, but it is hidden will of God because we do not fully understand what is going to happen. What is the revealed will of God? The revealed will of God, the second type of will of God that we understand in Scripture, is his commandments. That's why it's called the preceptive will of God, because it is his precepts, and he has revealed those to us. They are not hidden from us. He has given them to us, of course, in the pages of Scripture. He's given us many commands, statutes, precepts that we are meant to follow. So which is it that Paul is praying for here? When he says in verse 9, For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Is it the hidden will of God or is it the revealed will of God? Well, I don't think it is the hidden will of God. Yes, God does reveal his hidden will over time, his decretive will. As history unfolds, we understand what happened yesterday. That was the hidden will of God, but we now know much of his will that was planned for yesterday because we have seen it unfold. And sometimes he does reveal his hidden will in prophecies. We know what's going to happen somewhat at the end of the age when Jesus Christ returns. So we do understand something of God's uh, hidden will. But I think that Paul is praying here that God's uh, revealed will would be done, would be known by the Colossians because of the verses that continue after after uh, chapter 1, verse 9. What do we see in verse 10? After he said that he prays for God to, uh, to fill them with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, what happens in verse 10? And it says, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. It's speaking about how they are to live as Christians, which of course, if you want to know how to live as a Christian, you need to know God's revealed will. You need to know his precepts. You need to know his commands so that you can do the things that are described there, like bearing fruit in every good work. And so I would take these verses, uh, particularly verse 9, when it speaks about the will of God there, that is speaking about his revealed will, his commands. And that makes sense because if we are to live as godly Christians, we need to know his will. And also, If that is our greatest need, that we need to know God's revealed will, then we can understand that everything else that we need falls into place once we understand how we are to live as God's people. What did the Lord Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? In chapter 6, verse 31, he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? That's a great need, isn't it? Or what shall we drink? That's also a need. Or what shall we wear? That's another need that we could ask God about. For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first clothing, food, drink. No, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So it makes sense here as we look at the Apostle Paul and what he's praying for the believers. He's not praying for health and wealth. No, he's praying that they would know the will of God, because if they get the will of God right, if they understand what God would have them do, then everything else falls into place. And I think this is a wonderful passage for us to look at as we go through the present crisis. 
because people are very conscious of their needs at this moment in time. Australians have been very self-sufficient in the past. Well, many of them have. But at the moment, they are more conscious of their needs and more willing to ask for help. We are fiercely independent at times. But at the moment, you see many, many people conscious of their needs asking for help. What do I mean? Well, you see citizens asking the government for handouts. You see tenants asking landlords for rent relief. You see mortgage holders asking banks for concessions. You see employees asking to keep their job. You see job seekers asking for a job from employers. You see sick asking medical staff to help, to help them and care for them. And you see customers in stores asking for hand sanitizer. We see many people who are very conscious of their needs at the moment and asking for help. Why do we ask for help? Because we need something and we know the other person can help or we hope that they can help. We hope that Woolies will have some hand sanitizer this morning or that Coles will. So what is our greatest need at this time? As we're conscious of our needs, what is our greatest need? Is it health? Is it wealth? They're the two things that are debated in our society at the moment, health and wealth. Do we want good health or do we want good wealth? And one of them has to suffer at the expense of the other. Paul reminds us that we need, our great need at this moment in time, is to know God's revealed will. Then we will know how to live in whatever circumstance we're in, and all other needs will be met in due course, as the Lord Jesus promises in the Sermon on the Mount. But how do we know God's will? How can we know God's will, particularly in areas not clearly mentioned in the Bible? How can we know God's will? Well, I'll give you an illustration. It's a fairly long illustration this morning as to how we can know God's will, but I thought it was appropriate given the circumstances that we're in at the moment and how I've come to the conclusion about God's will somewhat in our present crisis, or at least the crisis that I've been experiencing and the other elders here at Des Moines Baptist, and of course you as members of Des Moines Baptist. At the moment, we have major government restrictions, and you're all very much aware of those. And so we at Des Moines Baptist, and particularly the elders and myself included, as a preaching elder, we have to ask the question, what do we do with our church programs? What is God's will about our church programs, about our prayer meetings, about our Bible studies, about the way we do pastoral care? And of course, the big one, what do we do about Sunday worship? What is God's will when the government restricts worship services like we have seen in recent weeks? Well, it's difficult to answer. There's some biblical principles that we can look at. Of course, the Bible says, love our neighbour as ourselves, and we certainly don't want to give anyone a deadly disease. Secondly, the Bible also says, obey our government. Romans 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Very stern words there. If we rebel against the authorities, we're rebelling against God, and we will bring judgment on ourselves. So if the government says you cannot meet, and we go against that, are we rebelling against God and bringing judgment on ourselves? But we also know that the Bible commands us to worship him on the first day of the week, and to fellowship with one another. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
Yes, we can see God's will in Scripture, but there we see we're meant to love our neighbour as ourselves, we're meant to obey the authorities, and we're also meant to worship, we're meant to gather, and we're meant to fellowship with one another. So what do we do? How do we know God's will in this situation that we're in? Well, the first week, when the government restrictions were a little lighter than they are now, we did space out seating in our worship uh, area so that those who were able to come could come and those who weren't able to come could watch a live stream at home. But when the total lockdown came, we had to reassess everything again. It feels like the elders continue to meet every week based on what... And one of the things that we should learn is that we don't meet on a Sunday evening and make decisions and then get off the phone and find out that the government's changed everything while we're on the phone. Uh, So I think we should really be making decisions from Monday onwards if we're going to do that. But each week we see increasing restrictions. And so when the total lockdown came, some suggested... Some people within Christendom suggested civil disobedience. Keep on meeting, regardless of what the government says. And there was a pastor in North America that I heard about this week who did and was arrested for continuing to meet despite the government restrictions. And I I looked at this one and I'd be more inclined to continue to be civilly disobedient if our government closed the churches but not pubs and clubs and casinos and other places. If they've focused in on churches, then I would have a greater concern and I would be more interested in being civilly disobedient. If they're going to allow the casinos to continue to operate but not churches, well, then I think we should continue to gather in God's name. But if they're going to close the pubs, they're going to close the clubs, they're going to close the casinos, they're going to close restaurants and cafes, and they're going to close churches along with it, well, then maybe we should continue to close as well, and the other elders feel the same. But there's still a distaste in my mouth about that. Uh, I'm speaking for me, myself personally. When worship is called non-essential, it's, it's something I don't like hearing the government say. And I think it's interesting how the supermarkets are still open, And so physical bread is considered essential, but the word of God in pulpits is not. What did the Lord Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it's so tragic when you consider this nation and how pulpits have been silenced. Yes, it's good for you if you're members of a church like ours and you have copies of the word and you can have someone that you can go to and have it explained. But what about if you're out there in the community and you want to hear God's word? Is there not a famine that is happening at the moment in our nation? of God's word. And what is worse, a famine of physical bread or of the spiritual bread that we receive from the pulpit if we come in and hear Christ proclaimed? So an option was civil disobedience, but we didn't move in that direction. Other people recommended cancelling all services and not using any sort of technology. So just take a break from church altogether. And then, of course, some people recommended live streaming and conference calls over the internet, and that's what we're doing today. We're having a conference call in one respect. And this is difficult to know the will of God about this one because we can't look to church history, which is where I love to look. If I'm faced with a dilemma and I've read God's word and I've tried to weigh things up, and then you look at church history and what godly people have done in the past, and you can then try and work out what we should do currently. But, of course, in church history, they have had plagues, but they haven't had technology available like we do today. So we're groundbreaking in one respect. The internet is still very much an infant, 
And so the op uh, opportunity we have to do something over the internet is new. We're in the digital age now, whereas our forefathers in the past were not in such a digital age. Um, but some people would go against live streaming. Uh, one of my favourite pastors uh, alive today, who I, I have been greatly influenced by, and I highly respect, Mark Dever, he commented about live streaming. He says, a video of a sermon is not a substitute for a covenanted congregation assembling together, and all the various means of God's grace in that. I think it would be healthier to respect God's strange providence in a period of abstinence from meeting together. And so he discounts all live streaming, uh, that this, a video is no substitute so how do we know God's will in such circumstances? Well, by reading the Bible. Yes, we know this is the revealed will of God. Yes. But many read God's word and remain completely in the dark. As we're looking at this this morning, we're going, but yes, okay, we see the principles there, but how do we know what God's will is for this specific situation? When we read the Bible, yes, we are reading the revealed will of God, but we can still remain completely in the dark. At our family worships uh, at home around the dinner table, we read the Bible uh, with the children, not a kid's Bible anymore. We've upgraded to an adult's Bible, uh, which has some things in it which my wife sometimes raises an eyebrow about whether they are adult uh, for children to, to hear. And the children are very interested in all kinds of things, and they ask all kinds of questions, and they often will say, once we've finished a passage of Scripture, they will say, I don't get it. Now, we've read the revealed will of God, but we still don't get it. And it may be that they need a, a word uh, defined for them. And as we did last night, uh, we were reading about Solomon, and one of my children asked, what's a concubine, Dad? And we have to try and uh, help the person out somewhat, uh, but without going too adult for the person. Uh, but yes, sometimes it's not a case of definitions. It's just, I don't get it. And that's when I say to the children, there's lots of things in Scripture that I don't get either. I read Scripture again and again. I've read the Bible through again and again. I've studied parts of it in great detail. I've read many books about Scripture. But there's parts of it, when I read it, I still say, I don't get it. So what do we do in such situations? How do we know God's will when we've read the Bible and we still don't get it? Well, that's where Paul has told us what we're supposed to do. Back in chapter 1 of Colossians, verse 9, what was Paul doing? For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We need to pray without stopping along with reading Scripture. Now, Paul doesn't ignore Scripture. I mean, he is writing Scripture here, and he is writing the revealed will of God. As we will study this book together, towards the end, the later chapters, we see many, many, many commandments, many, many precepts given by Paul as to what we are to do. But he emphasizes at the front here of his epistle that we need to pray for God to fill us with the knowledge of his will. Reading the Bible on its own is not enough. We need spiritual wisdom to accompany us as we read the scriptures together. And that's what Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn with me now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you've got a Bible handy, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'll read from verse 12. And consider 
what I've just said, that reading the Bible on its own is not enough. Sounds like an audacious statement, but let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in the words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. What do we need when we read the Bible? So that we're not like the man there, who does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. We have what comes from the Spirit of God in our hands right now, if you've got a Bible before you. You have that, but you can't understand it unless you have the Spirit of God. And that is what Paul is teaching us in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, what does he say in verse 9? Verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual, see the word there? Spiritual wisdom and understanding. We need the Holy Spirit if we are to understand the word of God as we read it. And how do we get the Holy Spirit? We ask God. We have to come before God in prayer and ask him to fill us with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So then how do we know the God's will in tricky situation? By God's word, yes, but we need to pray, pray, pray as we read, read, read. And Solomon was an example for us. Solomon's not a good example about some things uh, as we're learning uh, with the family at family worship at the moment. Uh, but why was Solomon wise? Well, we saw it in 2 Chronicles chapter 1 because he asked God for wisdom and God granted it to him. So then why are we live streaming today? Why are we doing this conference call? This is the tricky situation that is my illustration for you this morning as to how do we discern God's will about the government has restricted us, what do we do particularly about Sunday worship services? Well, there's many reasons why you're on a conference call with me now. Uh, but one of the reasons was I was having my devotions this week on one day and I was praying and then I was reading scripture and I was reading my Bible reading plan, which gives me four different readings each day from different parts of the Bible. And it's the same thing every year. I just work my way through it. And I came to John chapter 21 as I'd been praying about, oh, Lord, what do we do about these services? Is live streaming something that we should be doing? And the last two weeks, I have to admit, when I've preached, I've been preaching for the people in the room because I wasn't aware there's a camera there, but I can't see anyone. I don't know if anyone's there. I don't know if the internet's dropped out. I don't know whether my, my computer's stalled. I don't know what's going on. So I've focused on the people who were present. That's who I preached to. And then I was thinking, well, is this, is this Zoom one appropriate, having a conference call? What should I do? And so I was reading, and I was praying, and I, my reading for one day this week was John 21. And that's when Jesus has been raised from the dead and he's there and he's meeting with his disciples in his resurrection body while they're out fishing. And then after he's eaten with them, he goes away and he goes away with Peter. And what does he do with Peter? He says to Peter, Peter, do you truly love me? And Peter says, of course, you know I love you. And then what does Jesus say to Peter? Feed my sheep. 
And as I was puzzling over what I should do, and I was praying, I went, look, what should I do on Sunday? I should feed your sheep, Jesus, in whatever way I can. I will try to do my best and feed your sheep. Why? Because I love you. And you say, if, I, if you truly love me, then feed my sheep. But there's, of course, other reasons, but that was one that really hit home for me. It was the combination of prayer and Bible reading. As we see Paul instructing, uh, t- encouraging the Colossians that he's doing for them, I could see how prayer and Bible reading really helped me in this difficult situation of trying to work out what do we do. But at the same time, I must say, I recognise that we sh- as we should be obedient to the government and protect our neighbours, that I will then keep on preaching to whoever I can because I want to feed the sheep, whether it be to a live streaming crew, to other people in the building at the moment who are related, so they're allowed to sit near one another, Um, whether it be preaching to screens, whether it be preaching to just my wife and children. If the government restrictions come down so heavily that we can only associate with family, then, and some reason the internet drops out, well, then I will seek to feed the sheep that the Lord has given me. And I think that we should, at the same time, encourage each other to tune in at the same time. So there's some sense of gathering this morning as you're all connected via the internet. And we should be encouraging one another to keep on feeding each other in whatever way we can, whether it be over the internet, whether it be over a phone line, whether it be meeting if possible, according to government restrictions. And I hope then, if we keep on doing that, then we'll be able to do what is described in verses 10 and 12 as we seek to know God's will through his scripture, but of course by prayer as well, that he will fill us with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And then we will see what, verse 10, and we pray this in order that we may live, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. That's what happens when we are able to teach one another God's will and accompany it with prayer for spiritual wisdom. But even in saying all this, this is the best we can do at the moment. I think I need to tell you, remind you this morning, and I'm sure you already do understand this, that at the same time we should remember that live streaming is not church. It's not church. God's will, clearly in Scripture, is that we should gather in his name until he returns. The word church means that. It means gathering. It was just a common Greek word that the church took up. It just means a congregation of people. And we are not congregating in the way that Scripture commands this morning. Well, three of us are. But the rest of you are not. And so we should understand that's the revealed will of God. This is a poor, poor substitute that we're experiencing this morning. We should get what nourishment we can, but we should be praying and yearning for the lockdown to lift so that pulpits will not be silenced, so whole churches can hear one another sing. I did enjoy hearing Ray sing this morning, but I want to hear everybody else sing too. And what will happen, needs to happen for that? The lockdown needs to lift so that baptisms can continue. There's a few people at our church who want to be baptised before the lockdown happened, and now I can't do it. I want the lockdown to be lifted so that we can follow the command, the revealed will of God, and start baptisms again, so that we can gather around the Lord's table. Do you realise this is the first Sunday of the month? 
and we're not eating and drinking together. We should want the lockdown to be lifted so that we can complete the revealed will of God, so that we can have members' meetings deciding on important matters while seeing one another face to face. And so everyone can see each other at worship, not just at members' meetings, but at worship, not through dodgy webcam images that may fluctuate at times, and so that we can resume face-to-face fellowship. So there's an illustration for you of how we tackle difficult circumstances, how we can know God's will in difficult circumstances. And the same principle applies for whatever you're going through. You need to read, 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 and pray, pray, pray if you want to know God's will in all circumstances, including really difficult ones. And it may be at the moment, your difficult circumstances, how do I work from home? How do I go to high-risk work? How do I go to a place where I could actually catch something, a disease that will kill me? How do I deal with no work? How do I deal with educating children at home? How do I deal with family relationships and cabin fever, where I've only seen the same person for weeks now? How do I deal with that? What do I know about God's will for doing that? How do I deal with crashing investments? Things that I thought were a sure thing suddenly are not so sure. We need help, help, help from the Spirit to know God's will. And so what do you do in all those situations? You pray, 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 and you read, 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 and you get other Christians to pray. After all, it was Paul who was doing the praying here, wasn't it? He wasn't telling them, you pray for God's will. He was telling them what he was doing for them. And so we need to get other people to pray for us that we would know God's will, that we'd be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So do you feel helpless at the moment and don't know what to do in your situation? Is it because you don't pray without stopping? Did you notice that's what he says in verse 9? For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Maybe you prayed once, and then you expect, I should know what God's will is for me. No, you're meant to pray without stopping. Continue to come to God in prayer. Or is it because you've been too concerned about privacy to get other people to pray? So you feel helpless in the situation, you don't know what to do, and it's because you haven't been getting other people to pray that God would show his will to you for whatever you're going through. I encourage you all this morning, with whatever situation you're going through, at the moment, pray without ceasing, without stopping, that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding and keep on reading your Bibles at the same time. But what about if you prayed regularly, you prayed without stopping and you've read God's word and you still feel perplexed? What can you do in that situation? Well, I tell you to keep on praying, but also rejoice. There's a place for joy, even as you feel perplexed. Why is that? Because you do know God's will. You may not know all of God's will for you. That's why he says there that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will. But he understands that the Colossians, Paul understands that the Colossians do know something of God's will. What do the Colossians know of God's will? Well, they know his will for salvation at a bare minimum. 
And Paul even encourages them with a reminder of the salvation that they have. In verses 13 and 14, after speaking about how God's will should produce all these things within them, what does he say in verse 13? For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Yes, the Colossians may not know God's will for everything that they're faced with, but Paul reminds them that they are rescued from the dominion of darkness and have been brought into the kingdom of the Son God loves and in whom they have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So whatever difficult situation you're going through with work, with family, with investments or whatever it may be, you may feel a bit like you should despair because you don't know God's will. There's no place for despair for the Christian because the Christian has known something of God's will and particularly God's will for salvation, and is safe in Jesus Christ. If you have repented of your sins and believe that Jesus Christ died for you, you have known, known the will of God. You aren't filled with all knowledge of God's will, but you know something of God's will, and you know his will for your salvation, and you have that salvation in Christ. And so the other things that you're concerned about, yes, they're great needs. But the great need you have of eternal life is done and dusted. You know what God would have you do. And you've done it. You've repented. You've trusted in Christ. And so you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And therefore you have reason to rejoice, even as you are perplexed. And so keep that in mind as you struggle. Pray, 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 read, 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 and I'm sure God will reveal to you in due course what you should do. But in the back of your mind, keep on rejoicing that you have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, because God has revealed his will to you, and he has accomplished that through your repentance and faith in the son he loves. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as almighty God. And we come before you and we confess that we are not almighty and we have great needs. Oh Lord, we pray that you would help us to be constant in prayer, to pray without stopping as we read your revealed will. And so Lord, we pray even for us now, we ask that you would fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that we may live a life worthy of yourself and may please you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of yourself, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, so that we may have great endurance and patience and joyfully give thanks to you, our Heavenly Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.